Hello, and welcome to College Talk. I'm your host, Beth Brandon, and thanks for tuning in for another episode. Uh, My last episode, I said that we were going to talk about and uh, break down or get rid of or um, bust. We were going to bust some FAFSA myths, um, and we will do that. But we're not actually going to do it today. Change up. Um, What we're going to do is something equally cool. We are going to be talking about the new Michigan Echo Scholarship. And I'm going to be joined by our guest, Anna Manzano. And she is the program director uh, for the Michigan Echo Scholarship through MCAN. And basically, as this scholarship program director, Anna is responsible for launching and managing uh, this new scholarship program. And it's for Michiganders who are unable to access federal financial aid. So students who may not be able to fill out the FAFSA, such as DACA, DREAMers, Asylum Seeking. Uh, Anna goes through the whole thing. So um, super excited to hear more from her. And I'm not going to hold you up too much longer. I'll let you jump in to the episode. But as always, a couple announcements. Um, Make sure that you check out our website, College Talk. Nope, sorry. Podcast, collegetalk.weebly.com. And um, there's tons of free resources, good information on there. And uh, please remember to follow, uh, rate, comment, subscribe, whatever, that helps more folks uh, find the podcast. But enough about me. Let's jump into the interview. All right. Hello, everyone. I'm here with Anna Manzano, and I'm super excited because we're going to be talking about um, this really amazing scholarship that's new, and I'm hoping a lot of you have heard about it, but if you haven't, you're absolutely going to today, and that is the Michigan Echo Scholarship. So Anna. Um, I'm obviously excited about it. I think you're excited about it. Why should other people be excited? What What is this scholarship? Thank you so much for having me. Yes, this is. I'm super excited about this opportunity because it is a very unique opportunity. I think that you know we have a lot of great programs here in the state that have been able to benefit a lot of our students, specifically students who attend two-year institutions or community colleges. Mm-hmm. And this uh, this scholarship is very unique in the sense that we're gonna notice that it has a lot of similarities to our Michigan's Future for Frontliners programs, but Mm. we're also gonna see many differences that um, hopefully will be a lot more beneficial to our students and allow an opportunity for our students to be able to gain um, some benefits, right? So Mm -hmm. a little bit more about the scholarship. It is, as you mentioned, Michigan ECHO, or that is an acronym for the Michigan Equity, Courage, Hope, and Opportunity Scholarship. This scholarship allows people living in Michigan to access an associate's degree or a certificate program. Uh, this scholarship will cover tuition, contact hours, and any other mandatory fees that is charged to the student's account. Oh, wow. So, yes, and this, as I mentioned earlier, this 
regardless of mimics the Michigan Futures for Frontliners program in the sense that it is designed for our frontliners, right? Mm -hmm. So this scholarship is only and specifically for people who cannot access federal financial aid and who have worked on the front lines during the COVID pandemic. So we're talking about our DACA recipients, our temporarily protected status uh, recipients, asylum pending or special immigrant juveniles or any other eligible populations who cannot access federal financial aid. So basically what kind of happened here is that while we have these great programs in Michigan, we also realized that there was a gap that was leaving some students who were unable to access the benefits, right? So mm -hmm. this is where the Michigan ECHO program basically came in, stepped up to the plate and was like, we need to do something for these students. We need to do something for the students who are often left out unintentionally, right, mm -hmm. but still left out and who would like to pursue a higher education. So that is where the Michigan Ethical Program, how it came about, and really what we're trying to do, our goal, as I said, is just fill in that gap. That's awesome. So just kind of to recap, yeah, I mean, the FAFSA is a great thing, but it does really leave out some amazing students who, you know, should have access to all of the, the you know, higher education opportunities they want. So just again, I really want to go through what students are eligible. So it's students who can't access like federal financial aid. And then you listed a bunch of categories. I'd love to hear those again, because I just want to make sure I fully understand. Of course. Yeah. So just first getting back to your point about the FAFSA, you're absolutely correct. You do not have to fill out a FAFSA to be eligible for this scholarship program. However, the one thing to be mindful of is if you do enroll into an institution that requires the FAFSA, then you still have to fill out the FAFSA for that institution, right? Mm -hmm, okay. But not to be eligible for this scholarship. And yes, so this scholarship is designed for student, for individuals who cannot access federal financial aid. Those include, but are not limited to DACA, temporarily protected status immigrants, asylum pending, or special immigrant juveniles. As I mentioned earlier, because it does mimic the Futures for Frontliners program, these individuals must have worked uh, as an, an essential job anytime during the declared COVID-19 pandemic. So anywhere from March, 2020 to the present day, because we still have a declared pandemic. Mm -hmm. If you visit our website, we actually have a list of all of the state of, state of Michigan's essential industries listed on there. So if you are curious if your job was considered essential or not, you can visit that list and it gives you examples um, within each industry as well. The individual must also be currently living in Michigan. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it does offer tuition-free pathway to a two-year institution. So the individual must enroll at a two-year institution. So this can be any community college or tribal college in the state of Michigan. Awesome. The student, the individual must not have previously earned an associate's or bachelor's degree. So we want to reach specifically students who haven't had the opportunity to pursue a higher education already. The individuals must have graduated from high school with a diploma or a certificate of completion or a high school equivalency certificate or they must be near completion of earning a high school diploma, certificate of completion, or high school equivalency certificate. And this is with the idea of including seniors in high school. Mm. Or they could have completed high school outside of the United States and can submit a diploma evaluation report. Oh, great. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay, so that's a ton of really good information. And I'm, I'm glad that you listed the website because when I think of like, essential frontline jobs during the pandemic. Originally, I was like, oh, EMTs and 
you know, all these things. But uh, my my fiance worked works for a credit union and he like worked in person through the whole thing with people and he counts for future frontliners. So I was wondering if it would probably be the same thing. And it sounds like people can figure that out really easily, which is awesome. Yes, our goal is to try to make it as easy and accessible as possible for our students. Um, if for some reason, even after visiting that website, it's unclear if the individual would be considered an essential worker, they can reach out to us, whether it's email or a phone call and happy to answer any questions to really help clarify. Another important piece of this eligibility though, um, and that once this, once the individual is accepted into the Michigan Echo Scholarship, they do have to enroll within six months of being accepted. And if they don't enroll within those six months of being accepted, they're going to have to reapply. So that has been that has been a key piece of navigating. So, for example, even though it is open to high school seniors, most mm -hmm. high school seniors don't graduate until May or June, right? Right, right. To be within that six month enrollment period. If they plan to enroll in fall of 2022, for example, they would need to apply around March or April so that they can still meet that eligibility piece and not lose their scholarship. Sure. So, so that's just a, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go for it. I was just going to say, so as exciting as it is, don't apply in January if you're graduating. <laughs> yes. <so> yeah. <laughs> yes, as exciting as it is, you want to make sure that you are within that six-month enrollment period. Awesome. Okay. And then... Um, you mentioned this too, um, but so it's it's tuition, contact hours, and mandatory fees. That's what the scholarship covers, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, and just so I, I think sometimes I don't students don't necessarily know you'll have credit hours and contact hours, and that's awesome because sometimes your credit hours are three for a class, but because you have like a lab and all this other stuff, your contact hours are six, and you're paying for the contact hours. So. It's really, really great that the scholarship covers that piece too, because um, that's that's huge. So that's awesome to hear. Um, yeah. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, as, as similar as this is to the Futures for Frontliners, there are some differences that make this a very unique program. So for example, we're not, we're also not doing like in district or out of district. The student can apply to any two year public institution or tribal college in the state of Michigan. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. I, so I'm, I'm from originally Sanilac County over in the thumb and there's no in-district community college. So um, to hear that, you know, for students who maybe don't have a community college in their district, but we live like 30 minutes from, you know, SC4. So that would have been the community college, you know, that I would have gone to, but I would have had to pay out of district, even though I'm like right there. So um, that's really, really cool to hear that, you know, if students do have, you know, they can attend a community college, but they're not in district this is still gonna cover that. They're not gonna necessarily have to pay the other you know, balance of being out of district. That's huge. Yes, exactly. And we've actually had many students who are already taking advantage of this program. So they've already submitted their application. They're gonna receive getting payment in winter of 2022, which is a nice. fairly quick move here, yes. And this has also answered the question that many students have had of if, I, if I'm currently enrolled and my ineligible for the scholarship. No, if we have a student who is currently enrolled in either an associate's degree program or a certificate program, but, but still have not completed either of them, they are still eligible to apply for the Michigan Echo Scholarship. That is also super good to know. So students, if you're in college and you're listening to this and, you and you're working on your associates or your certificate, you haven't finished it, 
definitely still apply. This is still for you too. So that's, that's, that's huge. So amazing information. Where can students find all of this? Yeah, so students can actually access our website. The website is michigan-echo.org. Again, that is michigan-echo.org. And on this website, you can find uh, why the scholarship was created, who it was created for, how do you apply. You can go directly to the application from here and about page and then the contact page if anyone has any questions and would like uh, to follow up with me or send an email. Always happy to answer any questions that way. Awesome. And I'm, I'm looking at it and there's an option for the whole website to be in Spanish, which is really yes. cool. That is yes. awesome. At the top right corner, if you click on the ES right next to the EN, it does translate the whole website to Spanish. And all of this information is automatically translated to Spanish, trying to be accessible uh, for some of our students. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you mentioned the apply section. I'm going to go click on that right now. Um, what are some important things that students should know as they're like heading into apply for the, the scholarship? One of the first things that I want to emphasize is that students shouldn't be afraid to apply for the scholarship. And that's because in this application process, at no point will we ask for the student's home address because MCAN as an organization is committed 100% to the privacy and protection of all of our students, right? Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about how do, how do you apply, what do you need to apply, there are a few things that will be necessary. So the first piece of it will be to complete the scholarship application form. The scholarship application form will probably not take longer than 15 to 20 minutes to complete. It's basic information about the, the student applying as well as what their essential worker information is, mm. um, the institution that they are planning to attend, when they plan to enroll, and just information that is necessary to determine eligibility, right? Mm -hmm. And then after that completion, the student will be required to upload a few documents. So the first piece of it is that the student will upload status verification, whether this is their DACA, uh, TPS, Asylum Pending Special Immigrant Juvenile, but basically any document that says that they hold one of these immigration statuses, mm -hmm. then the student will also be asked to upload proof of being an essential worker. So this could be done through a pay stub, a letter of reference from their employer. Um, and to be honest with you, we try to make it as open as possible. We we're pretty flexible as long as that we're able to verify both of these things. We were open to what form of documentation the student or individual is able to submit. Mm. And then at the very end, the student will sign and submit an online FERPA consent form. And this okay. is with the idea that we will be working directly with the institution to distribute payment as the payment will be made out directly to the institution. Mm -hmm. um, so we need that FERPA agreement signed in order to be Perfect. Um, yeah, that's honestly, I mean, in terms of some scholarships I've seen, that's pretty smooth sailing. So um, that sounds really lovely. So let's say a student applies and their scholarship is accepted. They're going through their first semester. Is there anything that they need to do to keep their scholarship? Yes, there are a few things that the student must continue to do to remain eligible for the scholarship. So. 
let's say, for example, we had a student that is accepted for winter 22 term. At the end of that term, the student will be will be asked to submit their transcripts. And this mm -hmm. is with the idea that they have to maintain good academic standing to remain eligible for enrollment. Okay. Um, and basically the way that we're going about this is that the student must hold satisfactory academic progress, which will vary by each institution. Or the other option around this is that they must continue to hold a 2.0 GPA following their receipt of the Michigan Echo Scholarship. And this is with the idea really not to punish students maybe who were already previously enrolled in college and maybe had a rough semester or something like that. Mm -hmm. The idea is not to punish them, but on the contrary, to give them a fresh start, a fresh opportunity to continue to enroll. And this, this piece of eligibility is with the idea of, we just want the institution to be willing to keep you. If the institution sure. is willing to keep you, we are willing to continue funding you and give you this opportunity to continue to pursue your higher education. Absolutely. And, you know, and that 2.0 GPA, that's, um, I always like to tell, you know, my success coach hat coming on, my students, 2.0 is about a C. So as long as you're getting C's in your class, you know, you're going to be okay. Obviously, you know, shoot for higher if you can, but, you know, a C is, is definitely a good place to be. And, um, the 2.0 thing is if you're working on an associates and your plan is to transfer, you need to at least have a 2.0 for those classes to be able to transfer for credit. So um, you want to be hitting those things anyway. If those are your goals, then it sounds like you'll be able to maintain eligibility for this pretty easily, which is awesome. Exactly. And there's a few other pieces of eligibility um, to continue being eligible, right? So mm -hmm. another piece is that the individual must continue living in Michigan. Again, this is really with the idea of recruiting and retaining talent here in Michigan. So mm -hmm. that's that explains that piece, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you must continue to be enrolled at a Michigan or participating institution. I already mentioned the piece about the just submitting the transcripts and this isn't with the idea that we wanna make sure you have all A's, but just getting to that point of, we need to know you're in good academic standing at your institution. Sure. And then to continue to remain eligible will be that the student must sign and submit a consent form again for FERPA that will allow us to continue receiving information on the student's behalf from their institution. Gotcha. So okay. This might vary if it's going to go directly through us or through the institution. Right now, what we have been seeing is that even though MCAN has a signed FERPA, agreement from the student, the institution still asks for their individual FERPA agreement. So that might just be a common trend that we see moving forward where they're just going to have to provide FERPA to both uh, organizations. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I know FERPA is a, a pretty big deal. So uh, it makes sense. They'd probably want a couple a couple things. Um, about the submitting transcripts, do you know, are you requiring an official transcript or could students uh, submit an unofficial transcript as well? Students will be able to submit any kind of transcript, uh, whether it's official or unofficial, as long as it has the final reported grade and okay. GPA listed okay. on. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And then students, just so you know, uh, best place to find that, especially if you're going to be in your first year of college, is potentially an admissions office, if they also do records and registration, or the registrar's office, um, or if there's a records office. So if you're like, I don't know where to go which happens, um, those are a couple of good places to start and they can definitely, if they don't have it, get you to where you need to go. Awesome. Um, 
So I think I really only have one last question. It's kind of a big one. Uh, this sounds really amazing and um, so many cool opportunities within it. When do students have to apply by? Like, when does the scholarship close? Yes. So the application will actually be open until December 31st of 2022 at 11.59 p.m., at which point then the application will close. The only reason that this would ever close if it, is if for some reason funding becomes unavailable or we cap out what we have, right? Mm -hmm. But other than that, the idea is to keep it open until next year in December. That's awesome. So tons of great opportunities. Again, don't apply if you know you're six more than six months out from going to college. But um, sounds like there's might be some opportunities for for this year's juniors as well, uh, potentially. Yes, that's awesome. Um, Anna, thank you so much for for joining me today and giving us all this great information. I'd love to hear just a, a quick second about. Um, so you kind of have launched and sort of managed this whole this whole scholarship can you tell us a little bit um you know just so students understand what kind of cool opportunities are out there in terms of jobs a little bit about you know what you do for MCAN too of course yeah so as you mentioned I was hired on to create launch and manage this whole scholarship program when I first came in we we had just an idea, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea was that we wanted to fill this gap that some of the programs that we currently have in Michigan were, weren't unable to do. Um, and, you know, a lot of that has to do with the limitations that they hold. So that's all we had coming in. And for me, it was exciting. It was exciting because I always imagined that I wanted to really support individuals in higher education. And for me, my idea is it had looked a little bit differently, right? But when I heard of this opportunity, I quickly started getting a lot of ideas and I envisioned a lot of things and I'm like, you know, we should do this and we should do that. So mm -hmm. when this position opened, I had to apply. I had to apply because this is where my heart is at. I, to be honest with you, this was a dream. I didn't think there would actually ever be a opportunity to support these students because mm -hmm. oftentimes these students are kind of just you know, they don't have the resources that they need. They're often excluded from a lot of resources for that prime reason of not being an eligible citizen per se by mm -hmm. their institution or by organizations, right? Right. So this was the perfect opportunity. And it has been amazing because as I mentioned earlier, even though we did mimic the features for frontliners, we were able to be flexible and accommodate so that instead of creating barriers for our students, we're making it accessible to them. Yeah. So just getting back to my point about like the in-district or out-of-district, that was huge, especially for these populations, because even though the majority of them have been living in Michigan for their whole life, you know, mm -hmm. they're not even considered residents of the state just because of right. that immigration status. So there's a lot of pieces that came into it. Uh, Another important piece that we were able to work around, for example, is that we don't require a minimum or maximum number of credits that the student has to be enrolled in. We're realistic here. We know that sometimes a student might be able to enroll full-time and maybe in the next semester, they're only able to do so part-time, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we're working with that. But the only thing that we will say is that the student must uh, be mindful of the fact that we will continue funding the student until either the completion of their associates 
or certificate program or both or until three years after having been accepted into the program, whichever comes first. Okay. So these are all very unique and very unique catered things, I think, that have been specific so that we can continue to best serve all of these populations. Things that are often overseen, things that we often don't take into consideration, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so it's just been super exciting and super nice to be able to say, you know what, I understand some of these struggles. Um, as a first generation, low income Latina student myself in higher education, there was a lot of challenges I, I faced myself. And I know that a lot of the students who have been applying for this scholarship um, hold a lot of these same demographics. So not only are they navigating those demographics, but then mm -hmm. you also throw in the component of their immigration status and it makes it all that much more difficult, right? So yeah. I'm just at peace and happy knowing that I'm able to alleviate a little bit of that financial burden for them. And while I do wish I could do a lot more, I'm hoping that through the scholarship program, we're able to uh, better support them, not only financially, but also hopefully academically uh, to get them to the completion because that is the ultimate goal. I want all of these individuals to actually complete their degrees and certificates. Uh, so it's just something that I would say, um, I hold personal. I, I know far too many individuals myself who hold these immigration statuses and I have family members, friends, uh, you know, just a lot of people who have crossed my path who have been affected by this, by all of these issues that I mentioned mm -hmm. previously. And it's like, it's like I said in my interview, this is personal. Um, so this is something that I carry with me every day with my work. And I just want to make sure that I'm actually serving the populations that I came in intending to serve. And that I'm doing that effectively and in as efficiently as possible. And that's on both ends, right? That's on managing the program but also and how I'm delivering it to the students and that it's actually being carried the way that uh, we want it to be carried. That is amazing. And thank you for doing the work because like I said, I mean, we've both said this, I think a couple of times, this is huge and this is such an awesome, you know, opportunity, this scholarship. And, you know, I didn't even think about the, you know, if, if you aren't considered a resident, nowhere is in district. So like having that as an opportunity that's amazing. Um, and so th I wanted to say thank you because this scholarship is fantastic. Um, I am going to throw a curveball at you. I'm so sorry. I forgot to, <laughs> when we were talking about this, whenever I have a guest on the show, I have sort of my um, early on, someone said I should ask like Oprah style two questions that I always ask at the end <laughs> of an interview. Um, and those are, and I'll, I'll give you a second to think about it. Uh, the first is, what was your favorite ever class that you've taken? It could be K through 12, higher ed. Um, what was a class that was like your favorite or it had the most impact on you? And then the second one is what's the best piece of advice that someone has given you? Okay, I would say that my favorite class or teacher uh, was during my time at the University of Michigan. I had a professor whose name was David Cordova. And when I first began this class, I thought this class was going to be rough on me, right? Mm -hmm. I, I was kind of nervous. It was one of those that I had my hesitations. Like I would walk into class and I was like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go, right? Yeah, yeah. But early on since the very first day and like the reason that I held these feelings is because he said, I don't teach you, you teach me. 
you know, and the first time he said that, I was just like, I'm paying so much money. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, I was very confused. Sure. And the more I started to attend class and the more we started moving through the semester, I quickly picked up on what he meant. He was mm. absolutely correct. Our best way of learning and the most learning I ever do, did was through myself and my peers. And the way that he would do that is giving us like a topic or just like a discussion mm-hmm. about things that we often don't think about that made us reflect on ourselves, our experiences, the whole educational system itself. Uh, and I was just in awe. I Don't get me wrong, I've had a, a lot of great teachers, a lot of great classes in my life, but that class really, he was absolutely correct in what he said. Mm-hmm. We learn best from ourselves. We learn best from our peers. And even though he was a great educator and he did teach us a lot of things, regardless of him saying that he wasn't going to teach us, he did do all of that. But he also made me get that reality of we learn best from each other. Mm-hmm. So that I, by, Oh, go ahead. No. I was just going to say, so that by far, he has been one of my favorite professors for that reason, because I think that he taught me a life lesson that I will carry with me. Yeah, I, as I say, I loved having classes like that as well, just because I think in those moments, that's where I learned, like, I don't have to necessarily be in a college classroom or in a high school classroom to keep learning. Um, Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I love that. And then, so what was the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten? The best piece of advice that I ever gotten, again, when I first got it, I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) It took me a while to pick up on what it meant, right? But the best piece of advice I have ever gotten is this quote. And that quote is, if you aren't at the table, you are on the menu. Ooh. Yes. The very first time I heard that quote, it didn't sit well with me. I yeah. was just, I was like, what do you mean? What is what does any of this mean, right? And this quote by she was shared with me with one of the best mentors I've had in my entire life, who has been one of my number one supporters and guiders throughout life. So when I heard this quote, I was just like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But he kept repeating it to me and repeating it to me until one day it clicked. You're absolutely correct. Oftentimes, and again, I go back to my demographics really quickly. Mm-hmm. As a Latina, as a first generation, as a low income student, if I'm not advocating for myself and other individuals who hold all of these vulnerable, uh, all of these vulnerable characteristics, then no one else will. Why? Mm-hmm. Because typically those are the table are those who are privileged, those who don't hold these characteristics. So I need to make sure to put myself at the table so that I have a say not only for myself, but others that I want to advocate for as well. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, when you first said that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's aggressive. But yeah, it makes, you know, total, total sense. Because I think I'll put it back on myself, right? Like you mentioned the thing about the in-district, out-of-district. I was like, oh yeah, I lived out of district and this weird, you know, thing. And that's that privilege of, okay, if you just don't live in the right county, but it's, if you're not even registered as like a state resident, nothing's in district. And so, yeah, I mean, 
that privilege is a huge piece and um it makes sense wow that's a good quote yes <laughs> <laughs> trust me the very first time i was like this is a terrible quote <laughs> But the more that I've heard it and the more that I continue to process it, it's absolutely, it's absolutely true. And at this point, it has become one of my favorite quotes and something that I, I agree with. That's awesome. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Both of those were huge. Like, I, I feel like I just learned a ton in those two questions. So thank you so much. Um, no, thank you so much. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk about Michigan Echo Scholarship. Um, and really just giving me the time to talk about what it is that we were hoping to accomplish with the scholarship. I do appreciate you making the time for this and inviting me to be here today. Yeah, I, I mean, this is amazing information for, you know, students who give this a listen and any students out there. So thank you for giving me the time. I know we're both working around busy schedules, so I really do appreciate it. And uh, if you ever want to come back on again, let me know. Of course, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you uh, all for joining and listening and tuning in for that um, interview. If you know anyone who might benefit from the Michigan Echo Scholarship, definitely encourage them to apply. If you have any questions, um, you know, uh, michigan.echo.org is going to be a great place to check out. Um, you can also reach out to me. I'll be happy to try and connect you as well. And you can do that by emailing podcastcollegetalk at gmail.com. Um, yeah, again, thanks so much for tuning in. In our next episode, I hope to be having some special guests on to bust some of those FAFSA myths. So if you've got FAFSA questions or FAFSA concerns, definitely make sure you tune in. Thanks so much, and as always, it has been great chatting with you here on College Talk. Ready?